Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. You know, I've been watching the weather, and it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because it's trying to rain, and it's trying not to rain. But I'm glad that you got here, and maybe before any sprinkling came on you, because, you know, that's, that's really scary for people on Sunday morning if it starts to rain. It doesn't take a lot to keep us home, does it? Right? But when it's raining, when we leave, we don't stay. We just go out and get in it. I don't know. What's up with that? Anyway, I'm glad that you're here. I want to welcome those worshiping with us online today. We're so glad to have you. This is Labor Day weekend, right? Hey. And what happens on Labor Day weekend? You have football, football, football. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. And Laura has just been glued to the TV. She's been... She's been all over it. She's going, we've got to get all these games. She's got it all marked out there, the newspaper beside her chair. Here I am trying to watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> and she's going, no, no, we must watch football. And then, we're, you know, we're getting these little snacks and things because you've got to have snacks when you watch football, right? How many of you knew that? Someone said no. Yes, you must have snacks, all kinds of fun snacks. Talk to me after the service. I can help you out with this. Really, I'll, I'll make sure that it takes place. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here because today we're going to be talking about excuses. And so you don't have to have an excuse why you weren't here today because you were, right? Right? All right. So anyway, it was down there in Cajun country that Thibodeau pulled over Boudreaux one day. And Boudreaux was driving all over the road, and Thibodeau said, Boudreaux, you're driving crazy. We're going to have to give you a breathalyzer. He said, I can't did that. He said, why not? He said, because I got asthma. I breathe deep. I pass out. He said, well, we're going to have to give you a blood test. He said, I can't did that. He said, why not? He said, because I'm a hemophiliac. You cut me. I just bleed out all over the place. He said, well, you're going to have to walk a straight line. He said, I can't did that. He said, why not? He said, because I'm drunk. Today we're talking about excuses. And you know, if you grew up in a religious background, you know that God loves you just the way you are, right? But that's only half of the equation. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And aren't we thankful that he does love us that way, right? Because God loves us too much to leave us where we are. And if you're going to discover something today, you can discover that God is like a great parent. And what he wants to do is he wants to push us and encourage us and help us not to settle for less than we can be. In other words, he wants to bring out the best in us. God is just like a loving parent. He sees our potential. He wants us to reach our potential. And aren't we thankful for that? Now, today we're starting this new series, No More Excuses. And I want you to think about what are the things in your life that you want to carry forward from season to season, from day to day. These are the positive things in your life. And then what are the things in your life that you need to drop, you need to get rid of? And today, specifically, we're going to talk about getting rid of excuses. In this series, we're going to leave them behind. Excuses from a distance can look like they're actual 
obstacles. They can actually look like they're real reasons, but that's not always the case. I remember years ago, we first moved here to Panama City Beach. My wife was teaching kindergarten over at Breakfast Point Academy, and she had the kindergartners in there one day. She asked this little boy about his math homework. He said, no, I don't have it. She said, why not? He said, well, my mom and I were working on my math homework as we walked through the woods together. Because really, who of us hasn't been there, right? And as they were doing that, he said, my mom dropped my math homework and a raccoon got it. I mean, everybody here knows what that's like, right? It's not the dog ate my homework. It's the raccoon got it. That's also the same little boy one day that she said to him, don't lick the stamp pad. He said, I didn't lick the stamp pad. She said, show me your tongue. He stuck his tongue out. Why is your tongue blue? I don't know. It had something to do with the raccoon, I guess. I don't know what happened there. But, you know, there's a fine line between an excuse and reason. Over time, our excuses sound like reasons, but they become our becauses. Have you ever had a because? Why did you do that? See, all of us want to have a reason why we do things. And we want to explain it to other people. So we'll say, well, because. Why, why did you stop exercising? Well, because. Why don't you eat better? Because. Why didn't you start? Why did you stop? Why have you quit? Well, because. Why, why don't you forgive? Why don't you stay? Why don't you leave? And an excuse has been described as a lie wrapped in the skin of a reason. How about that? Yeah. So why do we have all these becauses? Because becauses are not really causes, are they? <coughs> They're just excuses that we make. And so the reason behind things may not be real. You see, some people would describe them as paper walls or false barriers. Have you ever been talking to someone and they say, well, I can't do this because such and such. And you say, you know, at least in your head, you say, you know, that's really not a reason. That's really just a false barrier that you've come up with, but it's not real. And so you have to determine, well, why am I doing that? Reason is something that makes sense. It's real. And it's not something that you're trying to hide from. So when we look at that, we want to make sure that we're doing things that God would have us do, doing things that he calls us to do, reaching our potential. Now, people who make excuses rarely make much of a difference. And you can count on that. And so you don't want to miss opportunities because opportunities are going to come along and we have to take advantage of those opportunities while we're there. If we don't take advantage of them, then we may never get to take advantage of them. And so God says, you know what? I'm just going to call you out when you make an excuse. I'm just going to say, no, that's not right. That's not true. You know you're just making an excuse because he wants us to take advantage of the opportunities he's giving us. So he says, stop making excuses. 
Jesus called people out in the Gospels. In fact, sometimes it would shock you as to how much he did that. And he didn't just do it gently. Sometimes what Jesus would say would come across sounding kind of un-Christ-like, but it's, about, it's from someone who really cares about us. If you really care about somebody, you can speak the truth in love to them because you want the best for them. So here's a couple of examples when Jesus called people out. First in Luke, he said, he said to another man, follow me. Now I want you to catch this. Maybe you never realized this in the scripture. Maybe you never put it together. But when Jesus said to this guy in this story, when he says, follow me, he didn't mean I want you to commit your life to me. Here's what he meant. He meant, when I leave this town, I want you to get your stuff and bring it with you and follow me, and we're going somewhere else. He's inviting this person to come in and join him and be a core part, an inner part of his team. That's an opportunity that not everybody is going to get. But what did the guy say? But he replied, Lord, First, let me go bury my father, right? Now, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Well, surely he could wait and let him bury his father, right? The only problem is that the guy's father is not dead yet. In fact, he's not even sick here. What he's saying is, Lord, let me stick around. Let me make sure I'm in town. Let me just stay here for a while. And then later on, when my dad dies, then I'll be here to bury him at that point. Now, we don't really know what was going on here, but some scholars believe that what he was saying is, you know what? I got a bunch of brothers, and I don't really trust them. And if I'm gone when dad dies, I may not get my share of the inheritance. So let me stick around, take care of my business, make sure all that's in place, get my 401k straightened out, and then I'll follow you, right? That's what he's saying, essentially. Now, we don't know what really happened, but that might have happened. And Jesus says, look, I'm not asking you not to come back and bury your father, I'm not asking you not to be the person you need to be for your family. I'm not asking you to be irresponsible. I'm just telling you, the opportunity is right now. And if you don't take advantage of it right now, you're not going to get the opportunity. You're going to miss the whole opportunity because opportunities come and go. And Jesus was saying, I don't have long. I'm going to be gone. And you're going to miss the whole thing. I remember when I, I went back to school. I was in school. I was in college. And God was calling me into the ministry. And I wanted to, wanted to make sure and confirm that I was called. And so I dropped out of college after my junior year. And I came down to Florida. And I worked in a church. And, I, the, you know, the people at the church confirmed my call. And so then I had to go back and finish school. And so I got a scholarship to Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama. And I went there. And it's a small school. And at that time, there were only about 700 students. And so at Christmas, something neat happened. I was so anxious about being back in school. And I wanted to make straight A's and make good grades. And, you know, I knew I needed to finish college and seminary. And I was going into the ministry. And so I wanted to do a good job. And, man, I was working and I was going to school and I was studying. And we were in the middle of finals. 
Now, we had these things back then. You had these things called mailboxes. <laughs> had these mailboxes, see, because you didn't have cell phones. I know this is hard to believe. This is after the earth cooled. We didn't have cell phones. And so back then you would go in the post office. There was a thing called a post office at school and by the grill where you could get something to eat. And we would go in there and I would always go in and check on the spider who lived in my mailbox, <laughs> who spun the webs in there because there wasn't anything in there. And one day I was so shocked because I had all these cards in my mailbox. And I thought, wow, somebody got these in here by mistake. And so I, I pulled them out and I looked and they were for me for moi. And I opened them up and they were people, friends of mine in school, and they were sending me Christmas cards. They were sending me a nice Christmas card here at the end of the semester because they were getting ready to all go back home for Christmas and they wanted to make sure and send me a Christmas card. And you know what I thought? I thought, that is so thoughtful and that's so nice. I'm going to do that. Let me just get through my finals first. When I get through my finals, then I'll go get some Christmas cards because it still won't be Christmas and I'll fill them out and I'll put them in the mailbox and then they'll get Christmas cards too, right? Nice plan. However, by the time I finished all my finals, you know what I realized? Everybody was already gone home for Christmas. My opportunity was gone. I'd missed my chance. I never would get that chance again. You see, Jesus calls people, and he calls us to do something when he calls us to do it. He says, here's the opportunity and so he was talking to a guy one day, and the guy said, well, you know what? I, I, I'd like to follow you, but, but I've got some things going on, and I don't think I can get there and do that. But another guy raised his hand, and he said, hey, I'd like to follow you. And so he actually became a volunteer. Still another one said, it says in Scripture, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, that seems reasonable. That's not a bad excuse for him to say that. He was just saying the opportunity is going to be gone by the time that you do that. Now, don't most of our excuses sound reasonable? Because we sit around and we think about what sounds reasonable, okay? I'm not just going to blow up some wor worthless excuse. I'm going to come up with something really good, and then people will go, oh, yeah, well, I can understand that. But, you know, some of these disciples who followed Jesus, they, they missed out on some of the things with their families. And sometimes they probably weren't there for the family get-togethers and weddings and, and funerals and things like that. In fact... Some of the disciples would be disowned by their families because they were willing to follow Jesus. Some people couldn't protect their relationship with their family and be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, if you ever go to Israel, you'll see that there are a lot of rocks in Israel. In fact, don't ever go in the summertime because it's really hot there. You know how it feels here in July and August? That's the way it feels over there, okay? It's really humid. And so you go there, and I went there the first time. Somebody gave us a trip, and we went in July, and I learned not to do that. And the second time, I went back in the winter. But this time I went, and this guy was kind of an archaeologist type, and he loved to take us and show us tells. 
tells were these places where there were ruins. There was something that had been built there. It had fallen in over the years. It had been torn down. But there was something left, and he would take us out in the hot sun, and we would stand out there on the hill, and he would say, now let me tell you about this place. This was whatever. And he would start to describe. And this guy didn't use notes. I mean, he was really smart. And he would talk endlessly about these tales. And, and, you know, you would go there and you couldn't tell anything had been there. That's what I thought. But, you know, I finally, I got on the bus and I took the microphone and I said, if you look out of the bus on the right side, you'll see hot rocks because it's July and we're in Israel. If you look on the left side, you'll see hot rocks because we've been to all the tales and I can tell you from experience, it's hot out there. What I want you to do is take me to the hotel because that's where the air conditioning is and that's where I can cool off, okay? So, you know, that's where it was. Well, if you go there, when you when you have to plow there, you know, there's all these rocks, you got to move them, and you got to focus on where you're headed. You got to pick out something ahead so you can, you can plow a straight furrow. That's what he's talking about doing. And, and what he says is, if you start looking back behind you to see how you're doing, You'll be going all over the place like Boudreaux and Cajun country. You won't be play out plowing straight down that furrow. And he says, you've got to look ahead and focus. You and I have to focus on where we're going. What's our goal? What are we trying to achieve? We don't need to look back. We need to look forward. And we need to say, now, Lord, what are the new opportunities today that you want us to experience? And here's the question that he wants us to ask ourselves. How would he respond to our excuses? If we looked at Jesus and we said, well, Lord, I can't go because, what would he say? You know how sometimes you do that and then you realize when you said it, you go, that's pretty weak. <laughs> I don't think, and then you start laughing. You can't even keep a straight face because of it. And so how are we willing? Because he would be willing to hurt our feelings to help us ultimately. Because he wants to speak the truth in love. You know, Jesus told parables, and parables were made up stories, and they were about a specific event, some specific point to a specific group of people, and he was trying to teach them something. And every time he taught them, it was very appropriate for the time. Everybody understood it. One day he talked about a wealthy man. He said, the wealthy man called in his three servants, and he said, I'm going out of town. While I'm gone, I'm going to give you some resources. They're my resources, but I want you to invest them. When I come back, I want you to report to me how you did on investing my resources, what kind of return I got on them. His master replied, he said, uh, oh, he gave, he gave them the things and he came back. And two of the guys, they had just been uh, amazing because they had come back and, and they had doubled the master's money. But the third guy, he came back in and he hadn't done that. In fact, he had an excuse. And so it says, his master replied, well done and good and faithful servant to the ones who had done well. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness, right? And that's what he wanted you to see. But this third guy, he had the least to lose, but he didn't invest it in anything because he was afraid. And so in any parable like this, you know, God is the master here and the servants are the people in the audience. And so he's saying, it's not your money. I'm going to be going, but I want you to invest it. And then he says this to one, he gave five bags of gold 
To one, he gave one bag of, uh, uh, or two bags of gold, and to another, he gave one bag of gold, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. Okay? And so they came back and they found out how they had done, but the one guy had this excuse, and basically it says, So I was afraid. That's why he didn't invest. He was afraid. And usually behind most of our excuses, there is fear. Wouldn't you agree with that? In fact, we have a fear of embarrassment or a fear of failure or a fear of success or a fear of change or a fear of loss or a fear of admitting that we're afraid. We have all kinds of fears. And so if we'll acknowledge those things, we won't have to make excuses. We can just be honest and real with God and with others, and then he can help us. But you know what? One of the most terrifying things for many of us today is to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with God and to say, you know what, I'm just afraid and and I need to get past that. I need to get past my fear because none of us think we're cowards, but we are. And so we disguise our excuses by trying to make them reasons. He said, so I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And then ultimately he's saying, it's not my fault, it's your fault. You ever play the blame game? It wasn't my fault, it was your fault. Well, no, it really wasn't somebody else's fault, it was your fault. So I was afraid, he said, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground, and here, take what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew what I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. He's saying, oh, you did, did you? Oh, you knew more about me than I know about myself. Whatever gave you that idea that I would be that way? That's what he's saying. And he said, well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. In other words, don't let your fear cause you to miss out on an opportunity. And then he says this. You talk about strong. He says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, it's intense, but it's intense for a reason. Because Jesus is saying, I don't want you to miss the opportunity. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to be all that you can be. I want you to reach your potential. And if you don't listen to me, you're not going to get there. And if you don't face your fears, it's not going to happen. And so I want to challenge you. And I'm willing to kind of push where it's sore. I'm willing to kind of make you think twice. I want you to really look at your life, even if it hurts your feelings a little bit. I'm doing it because I'm trying to bring the best out of you. And then we'll see what happens as a result of that. Why does he do that? Because he loves us so, and he wants to see his will accomplished through us. Now, let me ask you a question. How would Jesus respond to your reasons today? What would he say? Think about something in your life, and right now while I'm talking about this, you're being convicted about it, and you're going, you know, he's talking about this, and I wish he'd quit talking, because I don't want to think about this, and I don't want to face this, and I don't want to deal with it, but it's real, and so I want to ask you, you know, because Jesus is going to call your bluff. 
He's going to call your bluff because he's not going to let you just not be the best you can be. He says, your reasons aren't really reasons. Your becauses aren't really causes. And so I'm going to push you and I'm going to challenge you. And I'm going to try to help you see the truth for your own good so that I can help you become all that you are to be. Father, help us to become all that you want us to be. Help us to accomplish all that you want us to accomplish. We thank you for the privilege of serving you. We pray that we won't let fear hold us back. We won't live our lives making excuses, but we will face those fears with your help. We pray in your son's name. Amen.